I'm not lucky. You have no idea how much I've prayed. This is a sign that sits in my bathroom and wraps up my heart for prayer, which is the topic of today's episode here on Real Talk with Rachel. Well, if you're new here, welcome. My name is Rachel Gilbert, and I'm a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always 15 minutes or less. And every other Wednesday, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around until the end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Before we hop into today's episode, did you know I offer several free resources on my website? One of my favorites is a therapist thoughts email, and it's not your average newsletter. So once a month, that's right, only once a month, I share a personal note for me you can't find anywhere else on the internet. I also share my favorite finds, podcast updates, and a free therapy resource. Go to rachelgilbert.com, that's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com, click the freebies tab, and then click therapist thoughts to join the community. Today's guest is another woman I've known for years, and she is what I would refer to as a woman of wisdom. She is a prayer warrior unlike anyone I've ever met. Mary Jo Pierce served as a pastor of prayer and intercession at Gateway Church for 17 years. She is passionate about you finding your voice in and through prayer. She's an accomplished author and public speaker, combining her love of prayer, scriptures, and baking bread, which we talk about today, through her Acts 242 seminars. Her books, Let It Rise, Adventures in Prayer, and Follow Me, have unlocked the joy of living prayer for readers across the world. I know y'all are going to love Mary Jo as much as I do, so please help me welcome her to the show. Well, hello, Mary Jo. Welcome to the show. So excited about being here. Yes, I'm excited. Face We're to face. exactly face mm-hmm. to face. I always tell the listeners, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they can tell a difference in the audio too, whenever mm-hmm. we're face to face. So something I love to ask my guest is what is something about you that I did not just read in your professional bio that people may not know or random fact, fun fact. Hmm. A random fun fact. You know, I was raised in Michigan. And although I live in Texas, I love the four seasons. Oh, so I love the winters, the falls, and the springs, and uh, miss them. Yeah. So I, that might not be a fun fact, but... Yeah, no, that's fun, because mm-hmm. usually you, people only are like a one-season kind of person. Yep. So. We'll edit that out, okay? <laughs> no, no, no need. I love it. Okay, <laughs> we're here talking about your most recent book, mm-hmm. but you've written several mm-hmm. along the same topic, but mm-hmm. just different angles. And I love mm-hmm. when people do this. And so you've written two other books on prayer. And the most recent one is called Let It Rise. Mm-hmm. How is this one different than the other ones you've already written? Well, my one note is prayer. Mm-hmm. So my life has really been centered around communicating with God and helping other people communicate with God and connect with them. But this particular book is called Let It Rise, Sacred Ingredients for a Life of Prayer. 
So this one is a little more intentional about elevating the spiritual discipline of prayer, enjoying it, and finding it part of our everyday life. That's why I use the phrase life of prayer, because prayer is so much more than what we do or say. It's really who we are. It's that very essence of that ceaseless, connecting, abiding. And so I love this title, Let It Rise. It's got a double meaning. It's prayer, and a lot of the book has something to do with bread, and we let the bread rise too. Yes. I love what you just said about the it's who we are, Mm -hmm. because that goes, you know, before we hit record officially today, Mm -hmm. you and I prayed over Mm -hmm. this. And that's something I do with all my guests is I Mm -hmm. just submit the time to the Lord Mm -hmm. because I make a plan and then I say, okay, Mm -hmm. God, what do you want to do with this? And we both noticed something shifted in the atmosphere. It did. And we both just had that. We want people to know this about prayer. It was right? tangible. Uh-huh. It was yeah. tangible when you prayed about the peace and the presence. Yeah. You could really sense God engaging in a real intentional way. Yeah. And prayer is often put in a box. You have to do it this way. You have to be long. You have to be loud. You have to be short. You have to be, and you don't. You just have to be that heartbeat of God and what God's saying to you and what you want to say back to him. So I like to take prayer and make erase a lot of the r- religious boxes we put it in with a lot of the have-tos yeah. and make it a want-to. Yes, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm excited about today's conversation. Thank you. Because it's just so relevant. And like you said, mm-hmm. when you can experience that, like you said, tangible yes. shift, mm-hmm. who doesn't want that in right. their life? <laughs> right. You know? Right. Whether you're praying over your baby yeah. or you're in a car trying to get to a destination. Yeah. Or you're just wanting to enjoy God. Yeah. Yeah. It it is tangible. And so we want to help people yeah. really make that connection. Yes. Where it's a reality to them. So if I can just say Every one of us has a different, unique, you know how we have a fingerprint Mm -hmm. that's unique to us? We have a prayer life that's unique to us. And so I like to draw out that uniqueness in people. They don't have to compare themselves. Actually, comparing yourself to someone else's prayer life is a kryptonite. Mm. I'm so glad you said that because I've actually had several people. Usually I do pray at some point in my podcast, especially my solo episodes at the end. I'll Mm -hmm, say a prayer mm -hmm. and I just love prayer and Mm -hmm. always include that. And I've had some people mention they love how I pray. They wish they could do that too. Mm -hmm. And exactly like you said, I'm like, well, I'm so glad that that inspired you to want to dig into your prayer language and your way of praying, but don't try to copy and paste what it looks like right. for me, right? Yes, mm-hmm. but what but what you're doing is really you're mentoring. Yes, mm-hmm. you're not ju- you're praying, but you're actually demonstrating the ease and the joy and the importance and the value. Yeah, of people using words, but a lot of times prayer is not even words. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yes, I just want people to embrace all of that relationship with the Lord. Yes, so yes. Yeah. I love the word prayer. I love the word prayer. Uh-huh. I just like to expand the definition. I like an amplified version yes. of the definition of prayer. Yes. And you know, what's another neat thing? I, I don't even know if I shared this with you. I think I might have, but you sent me a copy of this most recent book, mm-hmm. Let It Rise. And mm-hmm. in that, you sent a note and you mm-hmm. told me, 
did you turn to to the chapter on leave it all in the field? Is that mm, what it's called? Yes. And I'm assuming you prayed over I that did. before you wrote the note, right? I did. And so I'm just giving you another example of cool things prayer does. You right. know, like yes, it shifts the the atmosphere, but then also it gives us a word for people. And so you led me to that chapter. I opened and started it it was like chapter 17 or something Mm -hmm. i can't remember what number it was and you know just received the book started there but that word was exactly what Mm -hmm. i needed for something i was doing the next day wow and so that's just one more example too of how prayer is this cool partnership with the lord you know you you come into him saying lord what word does rachel need right i get that book on the exact day i needed it read that chapter and it empowered me for the next day right yeah And then if I can expound on that, when we start engaging in this ceaseless life of prayer that 1 Thessalonians talks to us about, we start recognizing that things we'll say to people spontaneously becomes a connection with God, even if we don't say, dear Lord or dear God, and we end with amen. So I can meet someone casually in a grocery store or send someone a text and not even think that it's a prayer, but because it's the overflow of my praying for them or being in relationship with them, it connects them to God. And that's what prayer does. It connects people to God. Mm, Yes, that's so good. Okay, you actually, so in this book, (laughs) you describe your kitchen as your second prayer room and making bread as your worship. Tell, Tell us what you mean by that. So Rachel, I just couldn't, I can't believe God let me write this book because it's such a marriage of my prayer room and then what God taught me in my kitchen, which became honestly a form of worship. So just, I just started making bread for fun. And what it became is a real conversation with the Lord, and the kitchen became my second prayer room. And I've entered into a, um, let's see, I don't know if entered into is right, but I've met God in a real intentional way in my kitchen that I didn't otherwise. And it goes back to that life of prayer experience I was telling you about. In fact, so many people who've read the book or have come to my prayer baking retreats, they go, I never thought of praying over the food that I was going to serve people or praying for the people that were going to be sitting at my table while I was cooking. And that's like inviting God into the kitchen in an area of preparation. So for me, it was a kitchen. For someone else, it might be a different like calligraphy or um, different expressions, different zones or hobbies or interests. But you start engaging God in that interest. And for me, it was making bread and then the analogies of Jesus, the bread of life. And then I wrapped it around Sabbath and the Jewish tradition of making the challah, and it became a very holy experience. Mm. It became worship. So I say that my aprons, my prayer shawl, my kitchen aids, my guitar, (laughs) and I just get into this place with God and celebrate Jesus, the bread of life. Yeah. So, oh, Mary Jo, I love this so for much. two reasons. The first reason is exactly like you said, it encourages people to bring God into whatever it is you're doing as exactly. an act of worship. It right? is. Us recording this podcast, we brought him in, you know, and it said, is. Lord, come with us. This is an act of worship. It I know is. I do that with counseling. The only reason I'm any 
form of a good counselor because I'm constantly praying like, Lord, what do you want me? What do we do here? (laughs) Show me the next step. And it is. And so I love that because it encourages the listener, no matter where you're planted or what you're doing. Wow. Ushering in the spirit of the Lord and letting that be just so beautiful as a form of worship. I love that. Can I say something to that? Because I think you're adding a whole nother layer. Yeah. (laughs) And my heart's beating a little faster right now. But I can't sing, I can't carry a tune, but I'm a worshiper and I'm a worship leader. And when you talk about worship like that, like when you meet with your clients or what we're doing right now, worship is really glorifying God, bringing the glory into our experience, our encounter. And so I do like to think of prayer outside some boundaries that we put it in. And I love to think of worship outside the boundaries yes. of what we put it in. So thank you for adding that element yes. to our conversation. Yeah. I think it's so important. Yes. Yeah. And you know, one other thing I wanted to share about that you praying over the bread as you make it mm-hmm. and stuff. I love that because as my listeners know, you know, my book's on body image and then even yes. in counseling, I counsel yes. a lot of people who have, you know, not a great relationship with food. Right. And how neat is that, that we can take something that, you know, if we flip the script a little bit and go, instead of being afraid of how many calories might be in this and what's happening there, you're just using it as a time to, instead of sitting and worrying as I prepare my food, what if I prayed, you know, and and brought the Lord into that and blessed it rather than cursing it. And so I'm, I'm thinking, Rachel, to your point, and what you're talking about, when you do that, I'm wondering, and I'm I'm challenged by it, and let's even challenge the listeners, that as we do that, it may change the way we think about food, yeah. the way we relate to food, or anything else. Because I say my bread is sanctified gluten, Yeah, <laughs> not to take away from the fact that it's a reality that people have problems yes, yeah. with gluten, mm-hmm. but my bread is really communion. Mm-hmm. So my life scripture is Psalm seventeen fifteen. When I awake in the morning, seeing you face to face, having sweet communion with you, I will be fully satisfied. Wow. And so I feel like when we're about a task, whether it's counseling or teaching or parenting or wrestling with relationships, engaging God makes it a form of worship. For sure. And when we bring him into it, we'll start seeing things differently, hearing things differently. Our filters change. Yeah. So my bread's a communion, and it's so beautiful and so much fun. Something else I like about the bread is some of our prayer assignments are long, Mm. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Some prayer assignments for nations, for prodigals, for cities, for you know, for God, for our churches. Those are long-term relationships or prayer assignments. What I love about bread is four to four and a half hours or three hours, and by the end of it, you have something beautiful to offer him. And then throughout the book especially, I brought in scriptures on bread, like Psalm 8116 talks about the finest wheat and the best honey. Wow. And the finest wheat, well, wheat is bread, and it's just the best of Jesus, okay? Yeah. And then the best honey, well, it talks about our words being like honey. So I just like to look at Scripture. I look at Scripture differently now yes. when I see Scriptures on bread. Wheat, 
do, yeah. sifting. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole conversation God wants to have with us about our life. Yeah. Okay, you said a phrase that I have to bring up because I'm sure it piqued the listener's interest, and you also said something that piqued my interest, prayer assignment. Mm. I want you to expand on what that means, and then also, well, why don't you expand first, and then I'll ask the second part of my question. (laughs) Rachel, I'm so glad you would ask that about prayer assignments, because there's so much to pray about, you can get overwhelmed But God's uniquely created you to carry his burden in certain areas. I know a lot of people are very, um, it's very natural for them to carry God's burden for our city, for our country, for Israel, for prodigals, for families, for marriages, for identities in Christ. You'll begin to see that your voice is God's burden in prayer. And so assignments, God will give me an assignment. I remember one time I'd had an assignment. I laid it down. And when the Lord said, hey, I'm ready for you to pick up that assignment again. And I said, well, if that's the case, I feel like I've prayed everything that's in me to pray. Please teach me how to pray more effectively for that assignment. And he did. It was amazing. I've got a special journal now for that assignment where God took me to scriptures or illustrations and renewed that burden. So I hope that gives you some more insight to assignments. Yeah, it does. And then the second part of that I wanted to ask you about that really just encouraged me is when you said sometimes assignments can be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And Mm -hmm. I know I needed that reminder because that's something... I've been praying for somebody's salvation for a very long yes. time. That's it, Rachel. And honestly, kind of have grown weary in it. And the Lord recently is like, hey, remember that person I asked you yeah. to pray over? And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. That was specific <laughs> uh-huh. for me. Yeah. And the first scripture the Lord took me to was Jonah. Mm-hmm. And he said, Mary Jo, you've been like Jonah in the whale. And I'm about ready to spit you out, to spew you out into that situation, that person again, and give you my burden for them. And you know, Rachel, when we're praying, I can't pray the same for my husband this week as I did last week. Well, my husband's not a good example because, you know, we live together every day. But there's assignments that you can't pray the same for because the person or the situation or the circumstances has changed. So I love to teach the most important prayer we can pray is, Father, how do you want me to pray? Mm. And then you go into that listening prayer, and God will show you or give you a scripture or show you a picture. Or you can start praying what you know in your soul, in your emotions, in your mind. And as you pray, and I encourage people to pray out loud, because as they pray out loud, you'll sense yourself praying what you know to pray, And then you'll sense the Holy Spirit kick in, just like we did today. We knew we wanted to pray and invite God into our time together. But there was a moment there where it shifted or it it changed, and we knew that we were praying what God wanted us to pray specifically for our time together. Yeah, yes. Okay, so let's pivot just a tiny bit and talk about Sabbath. Oh, okay. Because I know this is... Another thing you're very passionate about, and it is, you you do talk about it in Let It Rise. 
what, what do you want to tell us about the Sabbath, your heart for the Sabbath and what the Lord's taught you about it? So I'm passionate about the Sabbath because even though Sabbath in Scripture means ceasing work or to rest, it's such a contrary concept for us because we think of rest as a vacation. And But how many of us come back from a vacation tired and broke? Yeah. <laughs> you know, rest is God's gift to us. And so Sabbath, I'm passionate about introducing Sabbath, just like prayer. Let's erase the boundaries that we have around what we think it would look like and ask God what he wants our Sabbath to look like. But it is a seventh day. It is a holy experience. It is rest that spills over into the rest of your week. Yeah. So how do you recommend to somebody starting implementing a Sabbath? We're so fortunate to be have Jesus as our Sabbath rest. So this is what I recommend to individuals and to families. Ask the Lord what he wants your Sabbath to look like. And a lot of people go 24 hours. They can't even wrap their brain around that. Well, start anywhere. Start with a meal. Start with a devotional. Just ask God to be very creative, and you'll find him, just like your individual prayer life, you'll find him individualizing your Sabbath, and then you'll come up with non-negotiables, and it will become another form of worship. I was really surprised when I read a book, and it said Sabbath was a spiritual discipline. I never thought of it as, I thought of fasting, listening prayer, meditation, reading scriptures, all of the spiritual disciplines that we know about. But when I thought of Sabbath as a spiritual discipline, it put a different flavor on it. It made it something that God wanted to grow and nurture and develop in me. And it would ultimately draw me closer to him. Yeah. And so Sabbath is part of that ceaseless praying. Yeah, yeah. What is, do you mind sharing with us what Sabbath looks like for you? Yeah. So what Sabbath looks like to me is very interesting as I've grown in understanding Sabbath. First of all, we have so much to learn from our Jewish brothers and sisters because Sabbath is not just a day. And if I could really communicate that, Rachel, it's not a day. It's a commandment that's holy that becomes a week. It becomes a mindset. So in Israel, Sabbath is, yes, sundown on Friday till stars up on Saturday, but it becomes a whole week. It becomes like a, a weekly Thanksgiving or birthday party. You know how you anticipate a special occasion and you plan for it and you anticipate who you're going to share it with, even if it's just yourself and the Lord? And then afterwards, you remember it and you think, oh, wasn't that fun? Or do you remember what so-and-so said? Or boy, that that peanut butter and jam sandwich was so good, whatever you're serving. Sabbath is the same thing. It becomes days of preparation, the fullness of, and then the remembering. There's such a rest in God. And Sabbath is the key to turning the door and finding that rest in God that really becomes the abiding. You know, John 14, if you'll abide in me. And Sabbath, to me, has become that key. Oh, you asked me what my Sabbath looks like. Well, yeah. I plan, 
It might be just Brucey and I. It, I do like to make bread, so that's my form of worship. So I like to get in the kitchen every week. We sometimes have guests, not. But even Brucey and I were in the treasured senior years. So sometimes our meals are very casual or we just grab. But on Sabbath, we'll sit down. I'll light, we'll light the candles. We'll make it a dedicated meal. And I found that to be a real special time between Bruce and I. And then I'm, you know, special books I'm reading. Um, I don't shop on Sabbath. I really keep it separate. I want that day to look different. Lord, how do you want that day to look different from my other days? And then I'll leave that for God and the readers, the listeners to decide. I like that question. How do you want that day to look different mm-hmm. from my other days? Right. That's such a great practical question yeah. because it does, it takes out the religious thing of, oh, now I need to do exactly what Mary Jo is doing, or I need to, yeah, which I know is not your heart at all. Um, But it does, it helps us to go, Lord, yeah, what are you, what does this look like for me? Right. Mm -hmm. And what does it look like for the family? Yeah. So a lot of people say our schedules don't mesh. Yeah. And in the book, I hope I address it well, there's four elements I like to teach about the Sabbath meal, Mm -hmm. worship, pray, bless, and enjoy. And I believe that no matter how busy your lives are or how much you're crossing paths or if your work schedules don't mesh, that as a family, you can come together once a week on that seventh day, worship just for a moment. And worship doesn't have to be a song. Pray, bless. Blessing is not praying for someone. Blessing is calling out what God says about that person. And I believe the blessing at the Sabbath meal, this special meal that can be pizza, peanut butter and jam, or your favorite pot roast, it doesn't matter what you're serving. It matters about the special set-apart meal. So the blessing is a calling out what you see in the other person or what God's saying. For example, if you want to bless your son, you say, Stephen, I want to bless you. Because this week you had an opportunity, it would have been easier to lie, but you chose to tell the truth. Mom and I are so proud of you, the young man that you're becoming. Truth will always be part of who you are. So when you're blessing someone, you're calling out that special part of God in them. Oh my goodness. See, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about this whole experience and (laughs) gift, like you said, from the Lord, I'm thinking... Who doesn't want to be a part of this, right? Um, so then my question is, why don't we do it? Why even Christians, like we know the word, we know, you know, we read all the things about Sabbath, yet we don't honor it. What do you think is that? Where's that resistance coming from? Uh, it's a great, you're, you're, answer, you're asking such great questions. I'm going to be thinking about these for the next yeah. week. But honestly, Sabbath is an awakening gift in the church today. Mm-hmm. You know, Fourth commandment, you know, we've been taught that it's not nine commandments, there's ten, we need to rest. But the practicalities of what that looked like in our lives, or asking God. So I'll make this real brief. In the 70s, when the Jesus movement was coming in, prayer was awakening, where you could only find a few books on prayer. 
now we have some wonderful teaching and you can see how prayer is elevated and it's a main voice, it's a main thread, it's a main heartbeat of our churches, our ministries, our lives. God's doing the same thing with Sabbath. 10, 20 years from now, Rachel, you look back and go, wow, Sabbath now is just part of our ethos. It's just part of who we are because God in this crazy upside down world is saying, listen, friends, listen, sons and daughters, listen, husbands and wives, listen, church, the crazier it gets out there, the more I'm going to call you to rest. The more upside down the world becomes, the more I'm going to call you to abide. It's that ultimate intimacy with God on Sabbath that will influence the rest of the week. It'll influence our mindsets. It'll influence our families. I tell families, I love this, you get to decide what the ethos in your family is. You get to decide what the DNA is. You get to decide, do I want to raise my family knowing that there's a special set-apart time because of who we are and who we've committed our life to. Yes. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you even just reminded us. I almost feel like even just the calling up of that this reminder, it's such a weapon of warfare. Oh. Rest is. <laughs> you, <laughs> you are on target. I'm enjoying this so much. Your questions are so piercing. They're so prophetic. They're so important. God is reminding us over and over again how important rest is yeah, in prayer yes. and worship. And baking bread is, it's warfare. Yeah. So I know warfare is swords and decreeing and declaring and resisting, but warfare is also entering into the plans and purposes of God. Yes. Mm. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we're okay. starting to wrap up. Oh, I know. I wanted to ask you this question. <laughs> I have so many questions for you. I'm like, we're not through with all of these. So, you know, you mentioned one of the questions we started with is that your kitchen is your second prayer room. Mm -hmm. So you do have, do you have a prayer room? Or I do. It, and I want, so I do want you to tell us about your prayer room. And then I want you to follow it up with for the person who's like, I don't have a whole room to dedicate to prayer. What Absolutely. can I do? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So my prayer room Fortunately, we have a few more square feet than we have people. So I've been able to have a dedicated place to meet with God. And in my prayer room, I have a prayer chair. It's over 30 years old. It's been recovered three times. Uh, but when I sit in that prayer chair, I'm the most me. I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but it feels like home. Yeah. It just, I'll even go there in the business or craziness of the day and just like, my tent of meeting, I'm leaving the busyness of life, like Moses talks about in Exodus 33. So my prayer chair is like my tent of meeting, where I meet with God. And then in my prayer room, I have my listening chair, because God told me one time that I talked too much in my prayer chair, and that he wanted me to listen more. He said, you need a listening chair. So I literally brought another chair up into my prayer room. So I've got my books and my journals there and some special mementos from the Lord. I've walked with the Lord almost 50 years. So I have some special things that I like remembering. I like the stones of remembrance. I like to surround myself with things that remind me of my journey with the Lord. So I've got some special things. But to your point, 
I was praying for someone one time. Their life was upside down. And I said, wow, you need a prayer chair. You need a place to meet with God. And she said, we live in a small apartment with so many people. There's not any place. So I prayed for her that God would show her a place. And it turned out a few weeks later, she found me. She was so excited. Her face was just so lit up, so joyful. Her prayer chair was her bathtub with no water. She went in her bathroom with her journal and her Bible and sat in that bathtub. And Rachel, don't you know that the glory cloud sat over her? And she met with God in that special set-apart place. So I encourage people, find a place dedicated to meeting with the Lord and let God create a special space for you and Him. Oh, I love that. That just, I think that definitely just encouraged somebody because I know Mm -hmm. at times it can feel like a hindrance, like you said, to not have a space and Mm -hmm. to think of the bathtub, like that's just really neat. And I was such a wanderer. Yeah. I'd go from the back porch to the bed, to the couch, and just, I just like to feel settled. Yeah. Uh, I just, I feel so settled when I sit in that chair and so. Yeah. I also love it too, because then it also sets a precedent in your home where it seems like, I don't know if this has happened with you, but I know with me, I I have two locations I pray, but one is, this is going to sound maybe a little weird, but I lay on the floor in my closet and I'm like, there's no chair, but here's the crazy thing. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing about that is we used to just have kind of basic, not comfortable carpet. And then we had a water leak, which was a disaster, honestly, for the most part. However, then insurance put in all new carpet throughout our, you know, all throughout. And I got this super plush, comfortable (laughs) carpet that was now in my prayer closet, if you will, you know. That's perfect. um, So I was like, well, thank you, Lord. You know, like, I I know he didn't send the flood or anything, but, you know, if we're going to, you know. But he did work it for your good. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I was like, I will take this. But all that to say, my family now knows if I'm laying down in my closet, they're like, oh, mom's praying, you know. So Rachel... (laughs) I love that. Bless your heart. (laughs) But it's like Suzanne Wesley who would put her apron over her head and her children knew she was praying. Uh So I have a friend that after, and I think I wrote about this in Adventures in Prayer, but she brought her prayer chair into her bedroom and her son said, what are you doing? And she said, you can hear God, you can talk to him anywhere, but this is a special place that is only used for meeting with God. And he was about eight years old, came home from school. He said, hey, mom, can I use your prayer chair? I need to ask God something. So he sat in the chair and she could watch his internal conversation because of the expressions on his face. And he got up from the chair and he literally... Um, like didn't clap, but he like shook his hands. He goes, wow, mom, that was so good. And she goes, what was that about? And he said, I was being bullied at school. I've been being bullied at school and I didn't know how to respond or act. And I just talked to God about it and he told me. Wow. I know as a true story, Christy Atkinson's son. So just like we get to set the ethos in our family, we get to establish a places of prayer and altar, a meeting place with God. So, yeah. so my mantra, you're not going to be surprised, Rachel, is a prayer chair and holla in every home. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so you, you mentioned just 
a little bit ago the names of one of your other books. Tell tell the listeners the names of your books so okay. they can hear that from you. My first book is Adventures in Prayer, a 40-day journal. And it's a great mentoring tool. If you're new to prayer or you've been in prayer for 50 years, it's a great measuring rod. It's a great sharpening iron, sharpen iron. It's a great little 40-day nugget. And I have people who just use it as a regular a measuring for their life of prayer. And then my second book is Follow Me, and it's a conversation with Jesus using the red-letter words through the Gospel of John. And the very first thing he says is, what are you seeking? Come follow me. And so that book is a literal, my journal from 2012. It's printed in three colors. Black is my conversation pulling the reader into their conversation. The blue words are printed. It's my um, conversation to the Lord from my journals. And then the red is his responses to me. So that book is used to teach people how to walk into the scriptures personalize them and have that conversation that the Lord wants us to have. Wow. Yes. So definitely check out her books because I know we scraped the very, the very tip of the iceberg today <laughs> when it comes to both prayer, Sabbath, all these things. And mm-hmm. so I know the listeners will benefit greatly from getting those resources in, Thanks, in their hands. Where can they connect with you online as well? So I have my website, maryjopierce.com. Okay. And then social media. Instagram and um, on Facebook. Yeah. And you're just under your name there, mm-hmm. Mary Jo Pierce. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And, yeah. this- and YouTube, MJ Praying. Oh, nice. Yep. MJ Praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all those links will be in today's show notes. Well, okay. I can, first of all, thank you for taking time thank to you. come and share your wisdom. I I refer to you as a woman of wisdom. Oh, so That's kind. Um, I love that my listeners got to meet you. I've got to know you mm. in real life and mm. through, you know, years at church together. And now mm. it just excites me when my yeah. listeners get to meet women like you who've very greatly kind. influenced me as well. Uh, So I would love it if you could just wrap up today's conversation by praying over the listeners. I would. I'd love that. Thank you for asking. Uh, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, how uniquely you've created us to commune with you, to relate to you, to live life with you. And I pray for our listeners, Lord. Visit them. Visit them in your word. Visit them in the night hour. Visit them in their prayer chair. Speak to them and draw them close to you. Show them how uniquely they're created to relate to you. Share your heart, your burdens with them. So, Lord, I pray, Isaiah 54, that you would erase the boundaries around their prayer lives, around their worship lives, that you would enlarge their borders, and that you would strengthen the stakes, strengthen everything about their relationship with you. Breathe on them. Breathe over them. Breathe in them. We love you, Lord. We love you with all our hearts. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. What a treat. What a blessing. Thank you. You are. It's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. And I know I did quite a bit of this already with Mary Jo on today's episode, but there was just something on my heart. I had to pop back in here and say that I feel like the Lord has taught me over the years 
And I pray that this episode, I'm not even joking. When I say that I pray, I actually pray. And even before I hit record on this little segment, I just asked the Lord, what do you want me to say to them? And I felt him say, simplify prayer. And he brought me back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And here's what it says. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That piece in there that says pray continually, some versions will say pray without ceasing, right? That means pray without stopping. And I don't know about you, but I think that sometimes we can get an image in our head when we read a scripture like this of, oh, he's wanting us to, or even maybe there are some people who are sitting around on their knees, well, not sitting around, (laughs) I guess, on their knees or sitting in a chair somewhere for hours on end praying. And that is great if you're able to do that. But most of us, especially if you have a job and you have kids or just have any kind of responsibilities in life, don't have the capacity to sit for hours on our knees and pray. We might be able to carve out some chunks of time like that in our week, but I know for me, my prayer life looks like praying while I'm driving, praying before I hit record on this podcast, praying even just in my own head and heart as I'm counseling, praying as I'm in the shower, praying as I'm cooking, right? And so this praying without ceasing, praying continually should be something that is a constant open line of communication with our Father. So I just felt led to ask you this, what does practical, simplified prayer look like for you? We can all talk about the cute ideas of how we want to create a prayer room and even how Mary Jo and I, we talked about, you know, having a chair and if that works for you, awesome, go for it. But if that doesn't, get with the Father and say, what does our talking time look like? Now, that's really what prayer is. It's us talking to the Father. That's how he loves when we approach him. We come to him, first of all, just as this verse reminds us, with thanksgiving, thanking him for things, and then talking to him about the things that are on our hearts, questions we have, concerns we have, uh, decisions we've got to make, people in our lives, our loved ones that are away from the Lord, that we're praying for their salvation, whatever it might be. I want you to, just this week, Look around at your current life and ask, how can I bring prayer into what I'm already doing? And my friends, I promise you, when you start to do this, you just make prayer part of your daily activities, you're going to notice a difference. You're obviously going to see breakthrough, but you're even just going to notice peace, total peace. When, when When I have these days where I'm just communing with the Father all day, even in hard days, even in days I'm rushing from one thing to the next, when I'm talking to him throughout that, my entire presence shifts and that's because he's on me. All right, so let me pray for us. Let's do that as we wrap up today's episode. So Father, I thank you for every single person who's sitting under the sound of my voice. I thank you that as I prepared for today's episode, you met with me here 
And then that tells me you're meeting with the listeners as well. I just pass on that same anointing that you put onto me onto them, that they would be anointed to go out wherever you've planted them, in their home, in their job, in their school, wherever they are, that they would just be prayer warriors rising up all over, that we would just have a heart to talk to you, to pray, to intercede. We just open our hearts and our minds to you. And I just pray for also ideas and ways that you can just ignite their prayer lives and maybe something that's just joyful and fun and not intimidating. Jesus, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Oof. Well, I loved this episode. Um, I, I know that y'all are going to also. If you did love the episode, can I ask you to leave a review for the show? If you have not yet done that, I thank you to all of you who have. I read all those that come through, plus it helps other listeners find the show. Well, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing those God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Rachel.